This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Pagan's Witchy Corner. My name is Pagan, and today I'm joined by a familiar friend that you have heard many times in the show, and we love him so very much, and that is Storm Fairy Wolf. Storm, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always a pleasure. I always love having you on the show because we have some of the best conversations <laughs> about so many things. <laughs> we have such a good time together. I just love it. Yeah, thank you. So today's topic for um, those who are joining us, and if you're new to the show, thank you for being here. We always love new folks to the show. And if you're an old listener, we also love having you here as well. But today we're going to talk about actually a fan requested uh, topic, and that is shadow work and kind of how to do it, why it's important, and really what's it about. Because obviously on the show, I've mentioned shadow work and why you should do it a little bit but never really kind of how to get into the nitty gritty of it. And the fan asked me originally for book recommendations and I racked my brain for like probably five or six days trying to figure out book recommendations that were basics. And I'm like, I don't know if there is one or if there is, I don't own it. And the only one that I could think of was you. And it was your <laughs> uh, Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft book. But I'm like, that's more advanced. And that deals with <laughs> deep shadow. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know if there is a basic one. So in your expertise, is there a basic one? Because I don't oh think there goodness. is. <laughs> you know what? I'm. This is honestly, I will say this is a question that would be better suited to one of my partners, Matt Oren. He is like the librarian of the house. And whenever I need a book recommendation, he's right there. I don't know if there is one, um, especially not in a in a witchy pagan way. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the 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 shadow work that I do, I learned through a particular tradition, so it wasn't through books. You know, I mean, I, I certainly read things that referred to shadow work and and maybe gave some ideas along the way. I, I think I'd be a little hard pressed to even think what those are now <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, my my book is it's. It at least purports to be, it tries, it attempts to be an advanced um, take <laughs> on, on shadow work. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure if there's like a, a, just a simple book on it. Maybe that is a, a, a need that needs to be met. I think it actually is a need to be met. And I I asked Deborah Blake last time I talked to her off air if she had any recommendations. And she says, I don't think there is one. Oh, and okay. so I'm well, like, I'm... okay. Um, and she racked her brain for a good few minutes too. And she's like, I can't think of one. So I'm wondering if there is not actually a basic book out there, which you'd think, you know, by now, of course, 2023 of all the monotony of huge books that we have on the the craft and all of its accoutrement that we have, you'd think that there would at least be one. And the only like kind of shadow work basic stuff that I've come into contact with would probably be, you know, like Jungian psychology, but that's not yeah. really witchcraft. It's more No, I mean, psychology. it dovetails nicely. Yeah, it I mean, does I mean, dovetail say, nicely, yes. I, I, I do think that anybody who is practicing the craft really does need to get familiar with Carl Jung. Yes. And, and um, <clears throat> I know some people have issues with him, whatever. I'm going to say put those aside, you know, because there really was a lot of 
golden ideas and information in his work. And I really think it's important to, to get familiar with at least the concept of the shadow. And he really mapped it out so well. He really did. You know, so Yeah. His work is one of those ones that, you know, give or take whatever you think about psychology and, you know, the big names that come through psychology. Not everybody was perfect. That was a different time period. Of course, there were different things. But at the same time, a lot of psychology and the, you know, practice of it now is based off of the forefathers of psychology and Jung was one of them. And yes, Jung does have some beautiful ideologies and also some very great esoteric ideologies that come through in his work. So I would still highly recommend, like you said, to read his work and kind of understand it, especially if you really want to get deep into the practice of witchcraft and understand kind of some, I would say, modern ideology overlap of it and how that mm -hmm. kind of interplays with you. Because as we've said on the show, sometimes witchcraft is just spicy psychology. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there really is the Venn diagram, right? Where, mm -hmm. they, where they blend together. Of course, we run the risk. We don't want to equate, obviously, not that you are, but you know, we don't. We certainly don't want to equate um, witchcraft with psychology no. because they also occupy separate worlds as well. Sometimes people need a therapist and not a high priestess. <laughs> yes, you know, and that's sometimes it's just how it goes. You know, there there's certain certainly been um, incidents in my life, you know, especially when I used to run the store, um, where. People would ask me for magical advice, you know, based on these things that they were dealing with. And there was more than a few occasions where I had to tell somebody, I don't necessarily think that spirituality and magic is where you should be looking right now. Have you considered talking to a counselor? And, um, you know, that's tough, but that's important because we all have issues. <laughs> you know, we've all got our baggage and sometimes witchcraft can address that baggage but often it cannot. And so you, you need those other tools hand in hand, just like you wouldn't just go to your witch, your local witch, if you had strep throat. Yeah, no. You know, you need pen. Oh, dude, I think we lost penicillin. you. You know, you need, you need antibiotic. You can use witchcraft in tandem. You know, I certainly ensorcel any medications you know, that I have, that I have to take. You know, I'm going to do Reiki. I'm going to do healing work. I might take herbs, but I'm not going to do that instead of, mm -hmm. you know, going to the doctor. If I've got like a huge fever, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to say my prayers, you know, exactly. cover, cover both bases, right? <laughs> cover both bases. Absolutely. And I think, it, you know, when it comes to, you know, talking about shadow work, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, I really want the witchcraft aspect of that. But a lot of shadow work really does come in tandem with, you know, therapy of sorts, um, whether it be through mm -hmm. a counselor, or a psychiatrist, you know, a therapist, whatever you would like to do. A lot of times those come hand in hand with each other. And it is working through, you know, breaking it down for those who are new to the craft. Your shadow is essentially basically your trauma. A lot of your trauma is your shadow. It is the dark part of yourself that maybe you walked yeah. away or maybe has impacted your life to the point that you are a little bit broken. Um, if you're looking at it from a shamanic kind of aspect, um, maybe you've had a piece of your soul that has been uh, gone missing and that's part of it. 
there's so many different little aspects that I would say when somebody's like, oh, how do you practice shadow work? And it's like, that's like a 25 week lesson. <laughs> I can't just sum up in an hour's <laughs> podcast. But I would like to say that, you know, today's podcast, yeah, we're talking about it and we're going to give you some highlights and some pointers, but it's not the entirety of shadow work. I don't know if we could give that to you in an hour. No, I don't think that that's really possible because it is also going to be so different for everybody. Exactly. Because everybody's shadow is different, you know? And, and even the one thing about the shadow too is, you know, we might think about it as, you know, oh, it's that scary stuff within us, the parts of ourselves that we try to deny. And so most of it is going to be stuff that we don't like about ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, plain and simple. However, it's not only that, you know, it, it could also be our power. In fact, I, I think most often it is our power, you know, what, by confronting the shadow and then integrating the shadow. And that, that's, that's kind of a tall order, you know, for a lot of people, because we've been spending all this time trying to deny, you know, certain aspects of ourselves. We try to bury this stuff down, you know, for one thing, for an example, you know, when I'm teaching Reiki classes, you know, there's one of the principles work on yourself with appreciation. Yes. And you know, I love it because it's this reminder that we need to keep doing our spiritual work and, and that we have to be appreciative about whatever we find. And when we're doing our spiritual work, that is really also shadow work. You know, you can't really do effective spiritual work without including the shadow on some level. Full stop, hands down, that, that's just how it goes. You know, the, if you are avoiding the shadow, then what you're engaging in, I think is what we talked about the last time I was on the show, yes, that and that's is. spiritual bypassing, right? <laughs> you know, and so you have to, you have to be real and, you know, shadow work is really about embracing all of yourself and first just accepting yourself for who you are. And instead of being upset by it, saying, oh my God, I'm so horrible because maybe I have these anger issues. That, that Reiki principle says, no, work on yourself with appreciation. So you're reminded to be appreciative that you now have this knowledge that maybe you have anger issues, <laughs> you know, or that you've got these things that are quote unquote wrong, you know, about you. Because only by facing them and saying, yeah, you know what, that is part of me. But you know what, I love me and this doesn't detract from me. This just gives me something to work on. And so I'm appreciative of the knowledge that I have these anger issues because only by acknowledging them, only by being aware of them, can I ever hope to heal them. And that's really what this is all about. We're all on a healing journey. I know that a lot of people think, oh my God, that's just, I, I'm so sick of hearing about healing work. Witchcraft is not healing work. You know what? It is. You're wrong. Witchcraft is healing work. <laughs> Absolutely. We are here to heal the self first and foremost. We are help, here to help heal others and we're here to help heal the world. Mm -hmm. And if, if that's not your trip, then, um, I don't know, then this isn't the show for you. <laughs> <laughs> and to kind of counter that as well, or to add to it, I should say, um, it, when a lot of people are like, oh, but witchcraft is so much more like you have hexing and all this stuff. Do you know that you can hex somebody with healing? You can, uh, yeah, you can do. absolutely exactly do, do that. You can do so much more with healing than you can with what you would classify as, 
and I say this with very large quotations of dark magic because there is no such thing as light and dark. But if you look <laughs> at it from that kind of perspective, yeah, there's there's something there that you're ignoring. It's kind of like we, we talked a little bit about on the last episode. And if you haven't gotten to listen to the last episode with Storm, please go do. It is an epic epic show <laughs> so much great feedback on that thank you for everyone who listened oh, um but Glad to hear that. uh it was literally the toxicity of love and light and ignoring your shadow but also ignoring the light side is just as toxic as ignoring the opposite right we have to work you in know. tandem with it and you know when everyone says oh i want to work i want to do shadow work well first of all you have to acknowledge what your shadows are Right. And to do that, I would say that is a lot of soul searching, a lot of spending time with yes. yourself, a lot of understanding where your essentially your faults are. Not saying that you're at fault, just saying where some of those faults are, some of the things that you know you've experienced, some of the things that maybe hinder you, even real life right. or magically, um, or both. And assessing what those are and then understanding them. And this is where having a journal is very you know beneficial yes, i'm not saying you yes, need to go yes. out and buy one of those silly shadow work journals in fact i would almost encourage you not to because you're going to waste your money <laughs> get a notebook like a five dollar notebook or even a two dollar notebook from the dollar store it doesn't even matter i mean you could do it on <laughs> you your, could do it on your phone, phone <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you need to you know i mean to me that feels weird i be i don't know because i don't know maybe i'm old-fashioned at this point <laughs> but um but you absolutely can there's no reason why you can't bring up like the notes app on your iPhone, you know, exactly. and just, you know, type it up, whatever, then you have it. The, 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 the nice thing about that is it automatically dates it. Right. And so you know exactly what does, day yeah. and what time you did it and, and you know, whatever. So you have a better chance of being able to like, look at this in a chronological order, you know, but, um, but journaling, I was going to say journaling is so important. And I know that some people roll their eyes like, Oh my God, I don't want to hear about journaling anymore. Well, <laughs> have you considered then that, that, journaling is part of your shadow <laughs> because if you have resistance to it why you know why do you have resistance to that we might just say oh i just don't like it well that's a pretty third grade answer you know oh i just don't like it <laughs> well no we, we need to del delve deeper that's what shadow work is about it's about delving beneath the surface and the assumptions oh i just don't like it oh it's just not for me is the ballad of anyone who hasn't really genuinely tried I would you know. also kind of say, in addition to that, too, is if you are somebody like me who your brain moves way too fast to sit down and journal, that's okay, yeah. too. There's a really great thing, especially on pretty much everybody's phones now. You can dictate it. Yes. And yeah. it's not going to be pretty. Memos. It's not going to look <laughs> fancy or anything like that. But it will get what you have to say down on paper. So if you're somebody that's like, I don't want to sit there with pen and paper or write, or I don't want to type it out because it's too slow for my brain and I don't want to do it. Turn on the microphone and dictate it. Yeah, absolutely. And we it have doesn't have to be tools. long either. It can just be like, no. I feel like shit today. And maybe and it can just be keywords. Yeah. It can just, it can also just be keywords. I mean, make it work for you. As long as you are able to express you know, kind of the gist of the experience. So if you're having a trance experience and, and you experience these things that are talking about, you know, your shadow, these things you don't like about yourself, then you come out of trance, maybe you're just going to bullet point them. Yeah. You know, either you write, write them down really quick or you use a voice memo or, you know, whatever. That doesn't matter. The tool doesn't matter. What matters is that you're able to 
um, accurately and authentically express something that was hidden to you before, you know, or maybe half hidden because off, often we kind of know, you know, at least some of the stuff that's in the shadow. And then we just really try to change our minds and go into something else. And <laughs> we binge like to Netflix deny that the, there's no problems there. Don't worry la, about la, the la, skeleton la. sticking out of the yeah. closet. Those don't <laughs> exist. We don't exactly. talk about that. <laughs> um, and I wanted to say too, like one of the things in the shadow, it's not always your faults. No. You know, it can be, it can be, you know, your sense of power for any of us. And I speak from personal experience, you know, for any of us who are artists or writers or creatives, you know, often when we create something, you know, we're feeling really good in the throes of, cre of creation. And then we finish it. And then it's like, oh, no, the imposter syndrome. Oh, that right? imposter syndrome. <laughs> I totally have that when pretty much whenever I turn in a book manuscript, like a few days after I've turned it in, then I'm suddenly like, oh, my God, who the hell am I to be talking about this? You know, whatever. It's, it's kind of crazy. One of the greatest voices in witchcraft. That's who. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you're far too kind. But, but, um, I might be but biased because I mean, we're friends. But truth be told, yes, <laughs> this is also true. <laughs> but but I just, you know, but I put it out. I mean, yeah, I'm, I've done like several books now and whatever. So on the outside, people might say, oh, yeah, he's, you know, successful in this area and whatever. He knows what he's talking about, whatever. Certainly not everybody thinks that, you know, but that's something that I still struggle with. You know, when I put something out there, then it's like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> and so part of my shadow is also recognizing my worth, you know? And so it's not all horrible stuff. It's not all anger issues and complexes about, you know, how horrible we are. You know, it can be the illusion of how horrible we are. We're actually, we're doing pretty okay. You know, but we have this shadow monster, you know, a, an inner demon, if you will, that's trying to keep us down. Oh, you're not that good, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. We are almost more comfortable in the negative, you know, than we are in the positive. Because if we really fully claim our power, then, oh my goodness, we also have to claim that responsibility. You know, if I am, am as powerful as I feel I am at the height of my creativity, then really I have to take responsibility for all the other crap in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's not fun. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to take responsibility <laughs> for all the crap in my life. I don't life. want to be an adult. <laughs> exactly. I, there's, oh my God. Yes. It's like you're living in my head. No, I, there are plenty of times I don't want to be an adult. And, um, but then we have to do it, you know, at some point, you know? So I think, I think that shadow work is really a way that we can, start to become more comfortable mm -hmm. with ourselves and, and and start to claim our power. You know, if we really want to become the best witches, warlocks, sorcerers, wizards, whatever, you know, that we want to be, then we must engage shadow work on some level because otherwise we are just living in delusion. I think too, a big part of things when it comes to uh, shadow work in terms of claiming your power is a lot of times, and I am very responsible of this, um, you know, doing this show for almost four years now, speaking with some of the greatest minds in witchcraft that I have come across in many, many years, um, and understanding that I do have the knowledge base and the understanding that I am able to teach some folks, but I also have that imposter syndrome as a personal witch going, 
I don't know anything. Why would I be the person people would come <laughs> ask questions to? And then to have people turn around and go, and then I can, you know, info dump on somebody and go, oh, yeah, this is how you do this. This is exactly X, Y, and Z, what you should probably start with. Here's how I would do it. And then it's like, right. oh, you just did like a whole lesson for somebody. And it's like, oh, well then. But also in that same kind of mindset that I think a lot of times we as witches don't realize that we have the capabilities of is, yeah, we understand when we do a working or we do a thing or whether it be a creation, whether it be a ritual or anything in between that we do have that power. And it's like, oh, I see it. And then immediately when you turn around and you're like, oh, but I'm not that good. I'm not I'm not ready for that. That's that's too big for me. But you've already done it like seven times over. Right. without even realizing that you did it and it's like that that's also part of your shadow that is that imposter yeah. syndrome of saying no i'm not good enough and i think also the other side of it too that um as you were talking i i think that there's a great deal of shadow work that comes with also understanding limitations shadow work can be just yes. as much about understanding where your pride is and this is coming also from personal experience <laughs> as somebody who's chronically ill as somebody who has you know a disability and i hate saying that because i'm a prideful person and i don't want to feel that way but also understanding that yeah my body can't do what i used to do when i was you know 20 and right. understanding those kind of limitations that's part of working through your shadow too is working yeah, through absolutely. some of those pride aspects and going but pride, you know, having that kind of mindset's not a bad thing. It can be if you're hurting yourself every single time you try to do something because you don't respect your limitations. Well, because that's that's precisely the moment in which we've fallen into that delusion, right? Mm -hmm. Where we've decided we're just going to deny reality because it, it impacts our pride, right? And again, it's not actually impacting our pride. It's impacting our ego, you know, because, yes. you know, true pride is not about comparing ourselves to other people and not even about comparing ourselves to ourselves, you know, like in an earlier state, like we could all say, Oh, I'm not like I was in my twenties, but we shouldn't be beating ourselves up because we're no longer like we are in our twenties. You know, um, getting older is a luxury not afforded to many people. That's true. You know? And so, and, and, and also in our culture, we have such a focus on youth and, I do think that there should be at least some focus on youth. You know, I, I think that when I was growing up, there wasn't enough, you mm -hmm. know, it was like the youth culture was um, kind of denied and not listened to and youth culture itself kind of became a shadow of the over culture. But now I'm seeing a lot more focus on youth culture to the expense of older people. Mm -hmm. you know, and I think the stereotype is, oh, older people, and they're all bigots, right? <laughs> and certainly we've had a lot of, <laughs> you know, we've seen that in, in experience, right? But there's a lot of young bigots too. So let's, let's not beat up on the generations. <laughs> you know, every generation has horrible stuff going on. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, Gen X is so cool. I was like, yeah, I, I'm Gen X. And I think Gen X is kind of cool. But at the same time, you know, I went to high school with Gen X people and they were not cool. Okay. <laughs> they, they, there's a lot of bigots in, in Gen X, you know, so, um, and, and there's bigots everywhere. Right. So, you know, we can't just like demonize entire generations, but, but like looking at ourselves, so like, I don't know, like, I don't know, a couple months ago, I, I went out with a friend 
and I hadn't seen him in many years and we were drinking. And of course I had, I had very good intentions. I was going to like, I'm only having this number and I'm drinking water in between. And of course, then there was like this 20 something year old girl that showed up and her friend was having a birthday and she wanted to buy us all tequila shots. And she thought I was only 30, you know? And so I loved her. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then she bought us tequila shot and I was like, I got wasted and it was horrible. And I was like, oh, oh my no. God, I am not. But again, oh my God, I'm not 20 anymore. Right? <laughs> but, um, and the part of that is the delusion, right? I forget. I'm like, oh, I just think I'm still in my twenties because that's how I feel most of the time. Yep. But the reality is my body is different mm -hmm. than it used to be. And so on one level, that's, that's also part of the shadow was I would just ignore all the differences, all the signs that my body has told me over the years. No, don't do this anymore. You can no longer do this anymore. <laughs> oh, well, but I feel fine. La, 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 la. I'm just going to go do it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was not, that was not fun. <laughs> I so think that, that's kind of a shadow thing too, right? Yeah, we're just denying is. the reality and, and we're like, I'm just going to pretend like everything's fine. Well, you've just put more stuff in your shadow. So congratulations. That's that much more work you've got to do. <laughs> right. It's so true. And a lot of times when it comes to shadow work, I, I don't want to give anybody the disillusion of saying, oh, I've done my shadow work. I did it for six months <laughs> in. I'm right. done. Done. Nope. Nope. Right. I hate to disillusion you all, but uh, shadow work is never ending. Yeah, it, a lifetime of work. It is a lifetime of work. And it usually comes also, in stages. We're putting we're, yes, it absolutely comes in stages because there some things we're just not ready to deal with. Yes, until absolutely. life circumstances have given us the tools by which we can then better address them, you know. But also, think about this way: we are also at least potentially and continuously putting things in our shadow all the time, mm -hmm. you know. So it's not like oh, all this was put in there as a child, and now you just have to release that pressure and it's done. No, you've still been putting stuff in your shadow every day, probably, you know, there's always little things that come up and you're like, no, I'm not going to look at that. No, I'm not going to deal with that. You know, and it goes down deep into the shadow box, you know. It's like, no, I and don't want to indulge in that kind of content today. Why don't you want to indulge yeah. in that kind of content? Because I don't, I'm not ready for that kind of trauma. <laughs> I don't feel like, I just don't. I, like I don't want to deal with the trauma right now. I, I already know it's going to happen and I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to put it away. I I'm in, one of those <laughs> I'm in one of those stages currently with some fiction works that I'm just like, you know what? I'm not ready for that kind of trauma. I know what's coming. I don't want to cry. <laughs> I probably should. Though. No, I hear you. And I mean, <laughs> and that's valid, right? And that's valid. And, and the act of like putting something in your shadow it, in itself is not a bad thing. No. That, is a, that is a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. We cannot deal with everything all the time, all at once. Okay. No, and you shouldn't so be obsessed okay. with shadow work either, just for the record. Oh, no. In fact, okay, so I had a student once, and he, you know, in, in the fairy tradition, and he was very versed in shadow work. Like, he he came from, like, a more, like, vampire community. Oh, interesting. You know, before, okay. and they did, he did a lot of shadow work prior. So we get to this point in, in the Anderson fairy work where we're working with, you know, quote-unquote, dark, darker deities, right? And there's this one particular, one of the watchers, one of the guardians, Black Mother. And she often will show up as like this goat. And, you know, she's, um, you know, giving maybe giving birth, you know, to all these young and, you know, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and she can come across somewhat scary and um, 
sharp. I mean, the first time that I ever met her in trance, she, she, as a goat, she bit my finger, which I kind of thought was funny, but also like scary at the same time. And, um, the vibe was just like, don't cross her. You know, you got to respect her. I was like, okay, I do. And so that was just my experience with this particular being, you know, and they kind of facilitated the shadow work. And when my student who had done all the shadow work, you know, came to her, she appeared as a kindly grandmother baking cookies. And I was perplexed at first, but I felt that this was genuine. And the vibe that I got from the exchange was, well, he didn't need her to be like this scary, you know, obvious shadow work thing. He had done a lot of this work and really in his shadow, what he needed was to be kind with himself. He needed to learn how to accept gentleness and kindness. And so the kindly grandmother baking cookies, that was his shadow because he didn't really know how to accept that. And so for me, that was a great learning experience because it really demonstrated the shadow is not always all this scary stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the stuff that we also have denied ourselves or told ourselves that we don't deserve. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, the interesting thing about shadow work, too, is, you know, kind of like we were saying before, you don't want to become obsessed with shadow work because there is always too much thing of a good thing. You know, you can overindulge in goodness, but you can also overindulge in things like playing with your shadow or, you know, you can also overindulge by doing too much magic. Everything has to be in balance. And obviously, if you're constantly working through your shadow, you're not probably processing the outside of the shadow that the light side you're ignoring it and allowing yourself to kind of live your life and see and experience and all this your shadow is going to be there it's still going to you know have moments that you got to work through and that's okay it doesn't make you broken it doesn't make you wrong because you're like oh i worked through so much of it i should be whole and fixed you might be for a time and right. you might be okay for a time. It's kind of like going to therapy for a while. You you feel great afterwards. You feel good and you feel accomplished and you feel like you're all fixed. And then something happens down the road and you feel like you're right back where you started. Yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> if you'll excuse the analogy, it's it's kind of like going to the dentist. Yeah. You know, and like getting <laughs> your teeth cleaned, right? It's like right afterwards, you're like, oh, yeah. You know, everything feels great and whatever. And then, you know, you go a couple months, you know, a few months, whatever. And then it's like, okay, it's, you know, you don't feel as shiny Mm -hmm. maybe as you did before. And, um, you know, maybe this is even a better analogy if you've got a fear of the dentist, you know, but um, I I think that it's important to recognize that on one level, shadow work is a type of hygiene. Yes. So it's, it's not something you just do when you're done. It's like, no, you brush your teeth twice a day as a default, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And so why would you treat your soul or your psyche? any less than that. You know, we, we need to keep re-engaging, you know, because we we are continuing to pick things up from the world every day that we're alive, every day we're conscious, you know, we're, we're pulling in vibes and messages, not all of it's good. Mm-hmm. And some of that impacts our childhood programming and we might not even notice it. It just goes right down into that shadow and we have not even been consciously aware. And that's why it's important to do this type of introspective work because a lot of stuff is down there we're just not conscious of. And that's the point of the shadow. Right. Is that we're not conscious of it. You know, that's why I like the analogy of like the conscious mind to the subconscious with the sun and the moon. You know, the moon is visible, you know, so the unconscious becomes visible when the light of consciousness is directed upon it. Exactly. You know, 
And so we need to use our tools to direct our conscious thought into the shadow. And, and, and you mentioned journaling, you know, or voice memos, that is a perfect way to get started. Mm-hmm. And I might ask people, if you're really not knowing where to start, you know, you might ask yourself, what do I not like about myself? That's a pretty, usually easy way to start. But if you're, if you're being stuck there, you might ask yourself, what don't I like about other people? That's another big one. You know, because usually we are very aware of what we don't like about other people, you know? Um, and I'm going to say, I, I think probably nine times out of 10, when we don't like something about somebody else, it's really because it impacts us about something we don't like about ourselves. You know? I would say not a hundred percent, not a hundred percent, but I would say that there is something underlying there that, um, you know, and, and you can have, I would like to say that you can have a dislike of people. That's not a, everybody has dislikes and that doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't also mean that it's a dark shadow, but having a hatred of somebody. Exactly. That's where that shadow starts to creep in because you have progressed from, I don't like their behavior. I don't like this person. They don't agree with me. I'm not comfortable with them to, I cannot stand to be in the same room with them. And I would like to see them hurt. That's hatred. Right. That's when exactly. it gets to the darkness. That's like, oh, you're you're wishing ill will on this person, but why? And if you yeah. can't answer that question, that's part of your shadow. Yeah, that's actually really important. And something I want to add to that is that often when we are in that space of we are like hating on somebody, you know, not just again, not just dislike, but like you are like empowered by it, right? Mm-hmm. You're empowered by that hatred it's kind of like you have that righteous anger. Whenever I've been in a situation where I felt like I've had righteous anger, that is such a trigger for me to like stop and ask myself what the heck is actually going on. Sometimes righteous anger is exactly that. It's righteous. You know, if you're standing up for the underdog, you're standing up for injustice, mm-hmm. you know, and there's plenty to be righteously angry about, you know, going on in the world today. But we must always ask ourselves, is this true? You know, because, you know, sometimes we just fall into it and it's like, I'm just feeling this righteous anger. And it's really allowing us to just be blind, you know, to what might be going on within ourselves, you know, because that righteousness feels powerful. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it allows ourselves to easily, you know, gloss over our own insecurities our own, you know, um, weaknesses in our psychic armor, the weaknesses in our arguments, you know, if we're feeling really righteous, we feel right. And um, God, I, I wish I could remember who this was, but probably the listeners can Google, Google this. There was a woman who was doing a TED talk, you know, a few years ago. And I remember she, she asked the question, what does it feel like to be wrong? You know, and then people were kind of talking about it, whatever. She's like, no but that's, that's not true because you didn't know you were wrong. You know, um, when you were just wrong, you thought you were right. <laughs> and that's so, true. you know, until somebody so tells it, you you're wrong and it's been proven. until you realize exactly that you're, Oh, you're actually wrong. And then you realize, you know, like, Oh, okay. That's a, but that's a different thing. You know, now you're maybe embarrassed, you know, because, you know, I would say that's almost acceptance at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so, so, but, but when you're, 
you know, you were still wrong, you know, but you thought you were right. And you were filled with that righteousness that allowed you to kind of gloss over any arguments. You know, this is one of the things that we have going on, at least in the United States, you know, politically today, you know, in, in the era of alternative facts, you know, so many people <laughs> think they're just right. And then when they're confronted with actual evidence, nope, they just gloss right over it. They don't care. You know, they're, they're still in their camp. They still have their, their belief system. Even though you've been confronted now with actual facts, and, and so now you're just going to say, oh, I don't believe those facts, right? And this is why I think a lot of people are looking at some of our political stuff and saying, oh, these people are literally in a cult because yeah. that is cult mentality. And any of us can fall into cult mentality about anything at any time. Yes. Don't think that you're exempt. The minute you think you're exempt, you are a prime target. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I keep that in the forefront of my mind, you know, as a spiritual leader, as someone who is the leader of a spiritual community, I've been a teacher for many years. Um, and I've heard horror stories and I've experienced horror stories, you know, through, you know, the, um, various witchy traditions, you know, where people become cult leaders. And one of the things that I've always heard about cult leaders is they're usually very charismatic. You know, usually they started out really great. You know, people loved them. They had friends, you know, there was a particular cult leader who since passed away you know, in the Anderson Ferry tradition, and he was a sex abuser. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he, I had, I had personal experience with this man and it was pretty sick and it was pretty bad, you know? Um, but the stories that I heard about him was that when he first came into, into the tradition, he was like the golden boy. Everybody loved him. You know, he was a great poet and he ended up being a great teacher and he was able to give so much. And that kind of enabled him to be able to prey on people because people were like, well, but, but look at him. He's awesome. <laughs> and in many other ways he was, you know, but he was also a sex abuser, you know? And so that was just a way in which he was able to kind of delve into the dark, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so as somebody who likewise is a teacher in this tradition, I often think to myself like, okay, I don't want to become a cult leader. You know, I, I, I want to make sure that I check in with my peers. Right. You know, and I'm lit, even those people who like are my detractors and I have some heavy ones. Um, I actually do listen to what they have to say because I never want to be in the position of, oh, I just know better. Right. And right. so I'm not going to listen to you. Um, at some point you do realize certain people are crazy. <laughs> and so maybe you do need to just disconnect from that, but I'm still going to question myself, not in a way that's about self-doubt but in a way that is just about taking constant personal inventory. I'm always going to ask myself, is this true? Am I doing the right thing? Why do I think I'm doing the right thing? You know, um, could other opinions, you know, be valid? I'm going to try to look at it from their point of view. You know, I will definitely try to engage people that have different points of view than I do because I want to come to a place that is true you know, within myself. And I think that that really is part of the shadow work as well. We have to be dispassionate enough and we have to be able enough to step outside of our ego and say, well, yeah, what are some of the other alternatives? You know, right. maybe I don't have all the answers. And you know? I think also part of shadow work too is not just always looking within yourself and trying to fix what's wrong and trying to do this. It's also a, a big part of his education because 
if you yeah. don't know everything and if you're unwilling to educate yourself on you know scenarios or points of view and i'm not talking about trauma if you've experienced trauma there's probably a good reason that you've distanced yourself from that and that's okay i'm talking about you know like storm was just talking about with you know political aspects and stuff like that i'm not saying that we should obviously agree with everything and we're not going to but having an understanding and education and realizing and seeing the facts and seeing the different points of view and the different sources makes it to where we can be not so righteously angry and having that righteous anger again is okay but when it turns into righteous hatred yeah that's when it starts to become that problem so i would say that you know in terms of your shadow work whatever that is whatever you are working through whatever aspects that you're finding yourself and asking those questions of what makes me unhappy? What makes me angry? What don't I like about myself? What don't I like about other people? Why do I hate my coworker that sits next to me? Why? Do you really know why? Like, do you, do you truly have it? Right. Is it because they just chew their gum really loud and annoys you? Or is there something deeper? And that's valid. That is a valid reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just saying. We'll but say. <laughs> having a valid reason and understanding that valid reason is one thing. But if you can't answer that question of why, there's something else to look at. Right. So I also in, in the case of somebody snapping their gum, yeah, you can totally hate that. That might be especially <laughs> you can hate you that know, as an ADHD person. That's something that really gets me, you know, whatever. But you know what? I'm not gonna hate the person yeah. over it, but I will hate the behavior and I won't I won't want, want to be around them, you know, when when they're when they're doing that, mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. Um, but that's but then if you hate the person because of it, that you need to ask some deeper questions. Yeah. And so I would say that when it comes to doing the shadow work, obviously, you know, asking these deeper questions. Now, if you're somebody that's like, I have no idea what to ask. I have no idea how to go about this. And I've asked the questions and my mind goes blank. Mm -hmm. That's when I personally would recommend try some meditation. Try oh, yeah. trance work. Try reaching out to your guides, your deities. If you are new to that and you're not sure how to do that, there's several different trances in my podcast listing, also on YouTube, that I have done that you can probably follow <laughs> and we'll get you where you need to go. Um, but if you are somebody that's like, oh, I know how to do that, check in with your guides, check in with your deities, and see if they can be the ones to lead you where you need to go and what you need to work on. And be yeah. open to the strange interpretations of imagery that you might get, you know, like you were saying with the old woman baking cookies. What does that mean? And it's like, oh, I'm expecting this to be angry and I'm expecting, you know, there to be so much other stuff that happens with this. But there's a grandmother baking me cookies. And if that makes you uncomfortable, what about that right. makes you uncomfortable? You, exactly. Then that's that's a way in. Right. You know, the minute you, the minute we experience any level of discomfort, oh boy, howdy, you, you're on it. That, that is your doorway into this work. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many people don't do this work because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. And there's so many different ways to do it. I love that you mentioned meditation. Um, and there's so many different ways to meditate. One of the things that I often get from people, one of, one of the misconceptions that I often get from people is that this idea that 
when you're meditating, you're supposed to just blank out your mind and think about nothing for prolonged period <laughs> yeah, of time. It doesn't work for a lot of people. <laughs> that is really not what we're talking about. You know, I mean, maybe someone who was raised in an Eastern culture who was raised meditating in that way from an early age, maybe they could get to that space as described, you know, but that's not most of us here in Western civilization. We have a different approach. This is where you know, trance journeying comes in. I think what um, Jung referred to as active imagination. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is the, oh, you're imagining you're walking down a garden path toward a waterfall, you know, all that type of imagery that it enables our mind to be on one level entertained, mm -hmm. but kind of like lulls us into a trance, you know, and we end up getting to the same place, you know, so, so you don't have to just blank out your mind. One of the things though, is that we do want to follow our thoughts. We want to notice our thoughts and then we want to practice releasing them. Yes. And so we do want to, you know, this is really at the heart of grounding work, you know, that we would, you know, take a breath, we would calm our mind, calm our body, and then we would just notice whatever we're thinking about. It doesn't matter what it is. It could have been that episode of The Simpsons you watched last night. That's fine. That's a thought. And so now I'm noticing it. And I'm going to imagine taking a breath through that thought. And with my exhale, I imagine that thought floating away, maybe like a leaf on the wind. And then I kind of just feel that space of, of, of silence for just a moment before it's almost inevitably replaced by another thought, you know, and maybe now it's like, oh, the dishes in the sink, right? And okay, I'm going to breathe through that thought and mm -hmm. I'm going to let it float away. The point is not to necessarily maintain a long span of thoughtlessness. The point is to be able to return perpetually to that state of release. And so every time we have a thought, that's a victory. We, we breathe through it and we let it go. That's a victory. And to me, it's kind of like going to the gym and it's like doing your reps, mm -hmm. right? You know, so every time you, you know, acknowledge a thought and let it go, that's like doing one of your curls, yep. you know, or one of your sit-ups or whatever, insert, you know, exercise here. You know, it's all about the repetition of that, you know, oh, I'm coming back to my center. I'm coming back to the stillness. Oh, there's another thought. I acknowledge it. I breathe through it. Coming back to my stillness. Oh, there's another thought. That is a victory right there. That's the point. Of meditation that being able to continuously come back so so i don't want to hear people say oh no i just can't blank out my mind for you know <laughs> have that zen experience that's not what this is about at all so that's also part of the shadow that you have with meditation as you have this idea that it needs to be this thing that you have now decided is beyond you and so you're probably going to be less likely to try it and also, so i'm just saying that's not even the point it also doesn't have to be perfect and right. I get this a lot with a lot of people who are like, oh, I can't perfectly meditate. I can't sit still. I can't calm my brain. I can't do all these things. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, let's stop saying I can't. And let's right. just focus on breathing. If that's all right. you can do for six months is learn how to focus on your breathing and keep that stillness of your breathing, you're doing well. And that's that is okay. still a grand success. <laughs> that is a grand actually. success. Also, and, um... I get a lot of people who say, I can't visualize. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Whatever comes through your brain, maybe you are um, somebody that's more clairaudient and you hear things. 
Maybe you'll get like a song that pops into your head. I would say in those moments, pay attention to it because it might actually be what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, anything that bubbles up, yeah. you know, might have meaning. And so you want to acknowledge it. And then, yeah, you're going to let it go. And then when you're done with that session, this is, I always say, go to your journal, you know, write some things down because you likely will have had um, these experiences, you know, and you might forget about them if you let them go too long, you know? Absolutely. Now, in terms of working through your shadow, and let's say that you have isolated, you've kind of figured out a few things, you're like, oh, I'm, this bothers me, that bothers me, I need to kind of work through this. Your guides, your deities have shown you, hey, this is what you should do, you know, what you should be addressing. And asking yourself those deep questions and kind of understanding and you're digging through all the layers of what that means. In terms of releasing what you need to release, there are a lot of different methods that I've recommended to people in the past. And sometimes it's as simple as breathing through it and letting it go. Sometimes it's writing mm -hmm. it out. Um, other people like myself, you need a physical outlet for it. And that mm -hmm. might be something like exercise. That also yes. might be something like art. Um, mm -hmm. In a previous episode, you guys will have heard me and um, my other guests actually talk about this. So if you're interested in creativity and spiritualism, check that out. But releasing your um, shadow and your emotions through something like art, drawing, painting, dancing, whatever it may be, expressing it out in that way. Because humans are creative beings, even if you're like, oh, no, I'm not a creative person. You technically probably are. You've just probably told yourself over the years that you're not and or you're not good enough for it right or that you're like oh well i can't paint a perfect painting nobody's asking you to paint a perfect painting we're just asking you to express it whatever that may I mean, look does like that even, does it even exist i don't know what a perfect painting means i don't know either because you know. <laughs> not everybody likes everybody's art so what would look right? perfect to some i person... mean the mona lisa is like heralded as like supposedly like the best painting in the world and i, look I think at it it's and boring like, oh, she has no eyebrows <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it's boring but that's just me whereas you know? um you know in my discord today one of uh, my art friends shared this beautiful rendition of odin that I'm like, holy crap, I knew you were talented, but I didn't realize you were that talented. Oh, my God. <laughs> and woo woo. Like, just amazing work. But, you know, even the painting where I described in the previous episode that I released so much shadow through, it was not my best painting. I would say it was probably yeah. mediocre. But did it do the job? Yes does right. it was, drawing was stick, it authentic yes and i would say if drawing stick figures and then ripping it into shreds and burning the, the drawing is what helps you yes. release it then yes. it works if i think i don't remember if i talked about this with you last time but there was um i helped somebody with a ritual that they had created many years ago they had um gotten out of a relationship with a um, domineering ex and part of the um, ritual of letting go was to take their um, dinnerware set and to smash it. You no, know, you out, didn't out tell me this, but I, I, I'm intrigued by this. It was awesome. This. And she was like, I want you to help me with this. And, you know, I didn't necessarily feel like I had anything to release, but it was still so cathartic. It was like, I didn't even know what necessarily I was releasing, but still this helped me get into that and be able to kind of channel some of that, that shadow stuff without even consciously knowing what it was. But we literally just like 
took these plates. We we're out in her courtyard on the brick floor and just like threw these ceramic plates down and smashing it. And let me tell you the sound of breaking glass on its own. There's something magical about that sound. Mm -hmm. There you know, really there, is there's something that really like you feel like, oh, I'm releasing something, especially as you're taking these things and throwing them away from your body. It's just this act, you know, of release, of pushing this out, of, of banishing. And then, you know, the, the plates break, you know, the, the cups break and you feel like the form, you know, that you know, or the astral form that, that these shadow things have had over you, they are now broken, you know, and, and so now they get to be released they're no longer, you know, kind of being housed inside yourself, you've thrown them outside of yourself. And that was such a powerful ritual, you know, and it was so simple. There was no casting of a circle and, you know, um, you know, invoking, you know, old witchy names or, you know, sigils and, and all that stuff. Although all I love all of that, you know, but this was simply like, I'm going to take these plates and they represent this and we're throwing them now and they're broken and it's released. And damn, that felt so good. And I would say also to those who are new to the craft as well, if you're like, I don't even know where to begin with ritual, I don't know, and I'm, you know, I don't feel comfortable doing creation, which is also fine and valid. I'm not saying that everybody has to create to release. I have done shadow releasing through literally walking out my back door and screaming at the top of my lungs. Now I yes. get that some people live in locations where like, I can't do that. You can still right. do silent screams. And they're just yeah. as cathartic. Um, if you're somebody that's very good at astral trance, you can go into the astral realm and scream your lungs out. Absolutely. Yeah. And do that. And it's very cathartic. It's one of those things that you are releasing it through the power of sound or the power of breath and just forcing that energy out through you. And sometimes you will bawl your eyes out doing it. And it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It means that you're releasing, you're getting it out of your system. It's kind of like, yeah. um, you know, like you were saying, breaking of the plates, you're breaking apart those pieces that you've held inside of you and clung to because of the fact that you had to hang on to them because they were part of you. And if you let them go, then people are going to really know how weak you are. No, you're no, they're not. More people are caught up. I love that there's a really great analogy that I listened to on a, a women's course that I took years ago. And there's a book about it. I think it's actually titled this, that nobody cares about the size of your butt. <laughs> and you're probably like, Pagan, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about people's butts? Hear me out. Trust me. It makes sense. <laughs> Most people that you're like, oh, they care about me. They care about what I'm doing. They care about the size of my butt. They care about the drama that's in my life. They care about who I'm dating, what I'm doing. No, they don't, sweetie. They are more caring about right. the crap that's going on in their own life and them right. worrying about somebody else caring about their crap to even really be focused on yours. And yes, you're going to have people that are going to be like all up in your business and all up in your drama, but those people are avoiding their own drama Thank and their you. own stuff because Thank they you. would rather be obsessed with you then deal with their own stuff. And in those Absolutely. moments, you can be like, um, no, you need to go work on you and stop being focused on me. And if they say no, go no contact. 
it's so freeing to go no contact yeah. with people. And I know that's really hard for some folks. But if you can, absolutely, if that's something that's your last alternative and they're not changing and it's not helping you and it's not letting you heal. Yeah. Then oh. it's time to say, I'm done. Girl, some bridges are just begging to be burned. Right. And that's okay. And that that's something that I, I, I've really come to embrace this, you know, um, I don't burn bridges lightly. Right. Um, yeah. But when it's shown to me that someone is not capable, you know, of giving me the respect that I need and deserve, then I do not need that person in my life. And in fact, I shouldn't have them in my life, you know? And so that, that that's something that I've really learned over the years. I was very lucky. I was very fortunate to um, have a mother that really exemplified that. You know, I remember early, early on having like big Christmases and Thanksgivings and we would have, you know, problematic family members. Mm -hmm. And very early on, my mom decided, no, if you're, if you're going to be abusive and, you know, whatever, you're simply not welcome here. And, and that was just how it went. And then there were certain family members we never saw again because they were abusive. They were, you know, and it, it, it they shouldn't they didn't deserve you know really to be around it and we didn't deserve to subject ourselves to that and I know a lot of families are like oh no but it's family we have to you know include everybody well no actually no, you it, don't it, it, it's you don't <laughs> you know you only need to include people that are actually going to be respectful and if these people are not respectful then then you're not actually being respectful to the rest of the family by allowing them a platform you know, yeah. I learned a thing a long time ago through my own shadow work and through therapy. Um, this is, you know, bringing it full circle. These do go tandem hand in hand. Was I was raised with the belief that it's better to have a bad family than no family at all. Well, no, that's not entirely true at all, actually. It's better that you respect yourself and find your found family. Yes. Than to be subjected to abuse and horribleness that breaks you down as a human being over and over again. Absolutely. You don't have to give anybody that kind of time of day. And, you know, in terms of all the shadow work, whatever you're working through, whatever it may be, maybe it's trauma that's family related. Maybe it's, you know, self-impression and pride issues. Maybe it's literally just you don't feel like you belong anywhere in the world, which you do, just saying. Um, it's all of these different little aspects, whatever it is for you. And so kind of saying that we were saying before, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to take on shadow work and a lot of different ways to look at it. But in the end, everything that we've offered is not going to be the cookie cutter fix for everybody else. Your shadow work may be 100% only can be done with a therapist. And that's okay. And that's valid. Maybe your shadow work, you've done the therapy work and you still are like, you know what? I'm not doing the homework, which is the shadow work part um, within yourself. <laughs> and you need to do that aspect. Or maybe you're somebody that's like, I'm just not really fortunate enough to reach out to a therapist right now. And I'd like to try it on my own for a while. That's also okay. But never feel afraid to reach out if you need it shadow Absolutely. work is hard and it's going to be hard and it's hard for a reason because it's all the stuff we ignore and we don't right. want to do that but when you get through those points and you start working through it and you start figuring out how it works for you 
that's when you can really understand. And like I was saying before, there is a lot of stuff on the market that shadow work journals this, shadow work journal that, and there's tons of different ones. I've seen them advertised all over TikTok and social media. Honestly, I think that somebody who basically took their own shadow work journal, published it, and, or, you know, did a blank version for you to fill in and is trying to make $25 off of you. You don't need it. You really don't. I mean, more power to them <laughs> if it's good. I haven't seen it. So, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know. But I, don't I personally think don't, I need... would never buy it, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would need a specific shadow work journal, but um, but now, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> I feel like I want to look and see because I just had, I just had a binder, you know, I just had lined paper and it was pretty much that, what That's I what I did too. I just had a training. notebook and um, I actually yeah. have several notebooks now over the years because, you know, you fill them up Same. one by one and you get to that point where it's just like, well, I probably should burn this. But at the same time, I'm also a little bit of a control freak. And that's part of my shadow that I'm like, but if I burn it, there's might be something in there that I need to remember 35 years from now. No, I'm not. I know I'm not, I, but I, I just know. haven't let it I mean, go. <laughs> I, I do kind of feel that way because I, I know I have my, um, my journals from my fairy training. Right. And I, I will, I will different. refer to those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you just never, I don't know. I, I've also had the experience where I purged books. I will never do that again. I purged books when I was moving once. And then invariably, I needed to reference several of those books later. And I was like, oh, but no. I would never need this book again. You know, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. So I'm just one of those. I'm, I'm basically going to be a book hoarder. You know, so <laughs> I'm probably the same with journals. Well. <laughs> you know, and I'm even worse. Like with journals, like I will start several I have so many incomplete journals oh, because same. I will start with this idea that like oh I'm going to do this and it's going to be really pretty you know I had these books of shadows that were started out really pretty and then it's just like and the rest is just blank pages because I lost interest or I messed up you know or you know and and I don't do that anymore now I don't have that same perfectionism you know that really stopped me you mm -hmm. know in the, in the past but I keep them as reminders you know, that this, Hey, this is a, this can still be a problem. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. You know, you perfectionism can so now I'm just gonna use, <laughs> Yeah. So now I'm just gonna use line paper. <laughs> it just is easier, you know, my voice memos, whatever. I mean, it but works hey. the way that it needs to work. We all learn and grow. Yeah. <laughs> and I do want to say, you know, some people have asked, well, what's the point of doing shadow work? So yeah, you figure out more about yourself and yeah, that's all well and good, but what's the point? But if you're practicing witchcraft, I say most of the power that we are seeking in the craft, we have to wrestle from ourselves, you mm -hmm. know, and it's in the shadow. It's in the abyss. You know, we have to confront the abyss. We have to confront our fear. And I, I think it's a reclaiming tradition saying where there is fear, there is power. Mm -hmm. And that is so spot on wherever your fears are that is a compass telling you the direction of your power yes. and you must confront your fear in order to gain your power back and so what's the point the point is to become more powerful the point is to become more effective in your craft and more, confident. more effective in your life and more confident absolutely to be able to live our lives in a healthier more actualized more conscious way 
And if that isn't reason enough to do it, then I don't know what else. I would 100% agree with that. And, you know, I, I will kind of close out our discussion a little bit with this. Um, and of course, you can always add your two cents at the end if you need to, um, <laughs> <laughs> as we do, of course. Um, but I would say that when I first started out as a witch, and this was many, many moons ago, because I'm old now. Um, <clears throat> but when, <laughs> Girl, I first, I feel <laughs> when I first started out, I was a distinctly angry human being. I was angry at everybody and I had a lot of trauma and I wasn't dealing with it and I wasn't focused on why I should do that. I was angry at the Christian church that I had just left behind. I was angry at, you know, family members. I was angry at friends. I was angry at everybody, but mostly I was angry at myself because I felt like I had been taken advantage of for years and I didn't know where to begin to deal with that. And through the process of kind of learning witchcraft and understanding it and kind of you know, self-reflecting and, you know, of course, back then when I started, it was very Wiccan adjacent where it's like, do no harm. And it's like, how do I do that if I'm pissed off at everybody? Like, how do I not be angry? Like, that was the whole thing. And of course, none of the books back then had any answers. They would just be like, just don't do it. Okay. That doesn't right. help me. So in those kinds of terms, when I first started realizing what shadow work was and kind of understanding why. And this was mostly through other teachers that were elder to me. And they'd be like, hey, you should probably work through some of this. And it, a lot of it wasn't necessarily them helping guide me through it. It was their suggestion and me asking my deities, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. And eventually they led me kicking and screaming through my shadow work. And it was brutal and awful. And I hated every second of it. But at the end of it, I wasn't angry anymore. And I'm not an angry human being anymore. I'm actually a much calmer version of myself than I was back then. And now I don't have the desire to be an angry human being anymore. Because it expended too much of my magical energy to be that angry human being. And right. I now know also, like you were saying with fear, there was so much in witchcraft I was terrified of, deities I was terrified of, and now they're my patrons mm -hmm. and I'm their priestess. And so <laughs> it's one of those things that when we start to embrace those fears and we start to say, well, I'm terrified of you. How am I supposed to take your hand, X, Y, and Z guide or deity or whatever? How am I supposed to walk through the shadow with you if I'm terrified? And that's when you have to trust a little bit and trust yourself. And it's not easy yeah. to do. You're not going to have an easy time of it, but eventually you'll get there. And I would encourage everybody that is interested in doing this work. Maybe, yes, you know, journaling is hard for you now, but still try it. That way you can go back and see where you started and where you finish. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will, I will just um, <clears throat> add to that little shameless plug. Um, in our online witchcraft course, Black Rose, um, one of the ideas behind it was we wanted to confront people with some shadow elements, right? And so there, there are imagery elements from um, what we might call the sabbatic craft, you know, which mm -hmm. derives from the witch trials and, you know, all the, the imagery of the inquisition and, you know, stuff like that, because it is challenging imagery and we want people to be challenged on some level. And the, in, in Black Rose, we chose three witchy deities that are firmly established, you know, um, and that is, um, 
Diana, Lucifer, and Aradia. You know, kind of a tip of the hat to Charles Godfrey Leland, who wrote Aradia, Gospel of the Witches. Mm -hmm. you know, I think it was 1899. And so, but specifically, we knew if we brought in Lucifer, this was going to challenge some people. Because, oh, of course, we're <laughs> approaching Lucifer in, in the classic sense. Lucifer is the light bringer. That's what the name means. Mm -hmm. The bringer of light. Um, how he got you know, repackaged as the Prince of Darkness, that's a whole other discussion and, and kind of a ridiculous one. But <laughs> um, but we know that it carries this baggage, right? Lucifer, people are like, oh, spooky, right? And we do get a lot of people saying, oh my God, that really challenges me. Even though it's, if you read the front page, it's on the front page, <laughs> it tells you, but then people are still surprised. Oh, is it okay if I work with somebody else? Well, I mean, nope. in your own work, sure. <laughs> but for this, no, absolutely. You have to work with this precisely because we know it's challenging. Mm -hmm. And so logically you can go into it and say, I know that this is not, you know, I'm no, I'm not Christian. I don't believe in like, quote unquote, the devil, you know, the, the entity of evil, Lucifer is not that, but still my childhood programming equates Lucifer with this devil, evil creature. Right. And so, but by being confronted with this, we are given an opportunity to rewrite our relationship with that term. And that really is shadow work yes. in its deepest form. We are rewriting, we are renegotiating our relationships, you know, with these concepts so that we no longer have a negative emotional charge associated with them. And so Black Rose actually does give the student an opportunity to start, you know, on some of the shadow work. And, um, and we really thought that was so important that we wanted to include that. So just, just a little shameless plug. If anyone's looking for a methodology of doing shadow work within witchcraft, um, our Black Rose online 13-month journey would be a good place to, to start that. It's not solely focused on shadow work, but it does have a healthy dose of it in there um, to allow the, the practitioner an opportunity to do that work. And I would say also, if you're looking for books that will kind of help you dig a little deeper into it, um, Obviously, uh, Matt Arn, as you mentioned, Matt's books are fantastic mm -hmm. for basically any aspect of witchcraft and kind of digging into all those different aspects. But if you're looking for something that's a little more advanced, it is not for beginners. It is also not for the faint of heart, just for the record. That would be Storm's book, uh, The Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft. Fantastic book. One of my absolute favorites. But again, Thank it's you. not for the faint of heart. And it is, especially if you're <laughs> willing to do the work that's within it. Uh, yeah, make sure you're a little prepared for that because you will get kicking and screaming kind of drugged through some of those rituals by those beings. Uh, if you're not prepared, I learned that the hard way by trying yeah, to do I one that I wasn't ready. People, <laughs> a lot of people are drunk. I think that's my best selling book. Um, a lot of people want to start with that book, and technically, you can. Technically, you shouldn't. Um, I don't think you should. <laughs> the first book in that series would be Betwixt and Between. Yes. And that will give you a foundation in Anderson Fairy Witchcraft, which of course is, is the paradigm that I'm operating from in those two books. Um, but if you absolutely must, you know, and you, you, you just know that you want to get Forbidden Mysteries first, I do give some basic information mm -hmm. in the back in the appendix. But I'm strongly going to suggest you should read Betwixt and Between first because it's going to give you much more of a, a context for what comes later. And if you actually work through the exercises in Betwixt and Between, you will be far more prepared, far better prepared you know, yes. for the work to come in Forbidden Mysteries. I tried to make Forbidden Mysteries more intermediate to advanced level 
And so, um, yeah, take from that what you will. <laughs> it's a fantastic book. In fact, all of Storm's books are fantastic. Um, there is a very long list wow, of them that will be in the show description, as always. Um, so many great titles and so many different ranges of topics that Storm touches on with his books. Um, check them all well, out. Now, <laughs> thank you. now you've given me an idea for another book. Well, so there I'm, you I'm, go. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited now. See, these kinds of conversations also can spark creativity, which is fantastic. Uh, but yes, check out all of Storm's books. Um, the Storm's website uh, will also be listed in the show description that also, I believe, has your social media attached to it as well, right? Um, should. Okay. <laughs> it's been a hot minute since I looked at it. If not, I will right? hunt down all the social media links and include them as well. If you are brand new to the show and you're like, oh, what are y'all talking about with these previous episodes? There's like five or six episodes with Storm. So if you enjoyed today's talk, go listen to the other ones. I promise you will enjoy them because they're all awesome. And we even talk about some Thank of Storm's you. books through those episodes as well. So you get, you know, some previews into those as well. If you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to buy this book. I don't know enough about it. Go listen to the other other episodes. You'll be fine. <laughs> also, thank you. thank you very much. Um, if you are somebody that's like, I am financially strapped because the economy is hard right now, and you are like, I cannot afford any books right now as much as I want to support, go to your local library, ask yes. for a copy. If they don't have a copy, they will either borrow it from another library or they will purchase a copy. You can even ask them uh, to purchase. I learned this from Deborah Blake. You can ask them to purchase a copy so that way they can you can recommend it to other local readers. A lot of times libraries will do this apparently. So that helps your authors and also reviewing the book helps your authors as well. So there's my yes, shameless plug absolutely. about buying books. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget about the library. Yes. And, and it, it is every such author an incredible says that. resource. <laughs> Everyone it says is such it. an incredible resource. You know, the, the libraries are our friends and we need to support them. And, um, but yeah, if you can't afford the book, the, the, the work is still out there. You can get through the library. I also write a lot of things on my website mm -hmm. and I write stuff for Modern Witch. I write stuff for The Wild Hunt. You know, I, I'm going to be writing now for um, The Resurgence of Horns magazine. Oh, interesting. You know, so okay. there's a lot of stuff that's going to be out there you know, in, in different forms, but you could always go to my website, fairywolf.com. And I have a lot of writings up there for free, you know, so definitely, you know, check that out, but please visit your local library. It makes such a difference too. And, and again, if, if they don't have my books or your other favorite witchy authors books, do put in a request because that will help us. Yes, thank absolutely. You. No, thank it you, will. Thank you. Um, but everyone who is listening, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new to the show, thank you for stopping by. If you are a elder listener, also thank you for being here and being a longtime supporter of the show. You are all amazing. Be careful out there. Take care of yourselves. Be kind to each other. And I will see you all next time. Bye, everyone. <laughs>